I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, Disney legend Tom Nabby to the show. Welcome, Tom. Well, thank you, Tammy. Looking forward to it. Listen to a couple of your interviews, uh, the one with Jane Jackson and uh, uh, Randy Wright's kids. Uh, uh, Jane and I worked together at, at World, and Randy and I worked together at Disneyland. Uh, so, uh, and, and you did a great job on those. So hopefully we do the same thing here. Oh, now you're putting the pressure on me, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. I'm going to try my best. I, because it, it's so interesting. We, we first met, we were just talking about this off air for our listeners, but we first met at the Retro Magic event at the Contemporary, literally only, almost a year ago as of recording this interview. And it was such a pleasure to meet you. And so many Disney fans kept coming up to you. You know, I kind of pulled back because it was like 400 people there and and it was a time of glory for so many of you who were there, especially yourself. And um, it was just great to see all of you together and, you know, a different mishmash of people. But your history all together is just fantastic through Disney. And I think a lot of people don't realize that aside from being Tom Sawyer, I think you started out technically as an, an as a newsie. And that was one of the first jobs you had at Disneyland, correct? Yeah, I, I consider myself an a independent contractor. <laughs> I started out as a newspaper boy uh, selling the, 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 at that time, it's called the Disneyland News, and it was a newspaper that was published uh, once a month, and it pretty much told uh, the history of Disneyland, uh, coming events, and uh, a little bit about the uh, uh, park, and uh, the lessees. The lessees were the people that ran all the restaurants and merchandise locations inside Disneyland. Uh, only the people that worked the attractions, worked in administration, and worked in maintenance actually worked for Walt Disney Incorporated. Uh, and the rest were uh, worked for uh, people uh, that had contracts to operate the various concessions. So so as a newsie, can you kind of discuss your responsibilities throughout the day? Like, how early would you have to get up to, to complete your work? And what time during the day would you kind of conclude and, and then be able maybe to uh, kind of explore Disneyland throughout the rest of the day? Yeah, well, let's, if, if you like, let's back up just a little bit. And, and uh, uh, when we moved to Anaheim from, from Los Angeles... I wanted to get a paper route, but Anaheim was considered rural, and I had to be 16 and have a driver's license. Well, I was only 12 years old, so that wasn't going to happen. But I got a Sunday paper route uh, and developed about 25 uh, uh, customers in the neighborhood, and then my manager would drop off whatever extra papers he had, and I would ride over to the Harbor Great Gate, uh, and uh, sell Sunday newspapers to the construction employees as they were going home on Sunday morning. And that's how I met uh, Ray Ahmet. Em and Joe, uh, his brother, uh, ran the concession of Castle News on Main Street. Uh, and uh, he basically told me after the park opened, if I wanted to sell newspapers to show up uh, early in the morning, 
uh, and he'd give me 100 newspapers, and if I sold 100 newspapers outside the gate, I could come into the park and continue to sell newspapers uh, throughout the day. You you were uh, a go-getter. You're only 12 years old at this time? Oh, yeah. Well, in, in Los Angeles, uh, I started selling newspapers up at the uh, Coliseum for football mm-hmm. games to earn enough money to buy a bicycle uh, so I could get a paper route uh, in my neighborhood in Los Angeles. So a wow. little bit of an on, on entrepreneur, uh, you know, uh, type thing. And I'm, I didn't have any, any problem in the, in the sales side of it. So, yeah, well, obviously you caught the attention <laughs> as soon as you went into main street. Do you remember the first interaction you had with Walt? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was actually, well, uh, one of them was my mother got his, his autograph uh, uh, on opening day in 1955. Uh, but I, I I wasn't there at that moment, but she got his autograph. Um, that, that's a little different story. But but uh, the, somebody had told me they were going to build Tom Sawyer's Island. And uh, Walt was in the park quite frequently during the... Uh, uh, during that time, where he'd come down on Friday afternoon and spend the spend uh, Friday night and Saturday night in his apartment on Main Street, uh, and then uh, uh, he'd get up and walk around the park and do whatever he did business wise at Disneyland, and then drive back up to the studio on Sunday. Well, it was on one of those days. I was uh, there was a little break area uh, at the, by the Jungle Cruise storage area. Uh, where they stored the boats, and uh, uh, Walt was walking by there to go to his apartment, and I introduced myself, and I told him uh, that I had heard he was going to build Tom Sawyer's Island, and I looked just like Tom Sawyer, and he should hire me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, didn't, he didn't say yes, but he didn't say no. He said he'd think about it, so he left the door open, and I'm a pretty persistent person, uh, so anytime I could find Walt <laughs> after that, uh, I'd ask him if he was still thinking about hiring me to be Tom Sawyer. Now, there are a couple other things. Uh, when I worked for Joe and Ray selling the newspapers, uh, if, if you look at the front of Disneyland, uh, at the, on the left-hand side, there's a merchandise stand called the newsstand. Well, back in 1955, that was actually a newsstand. And they had all the newspapers from around the country. Uh, and one of my one of the jobs that I I weaseled, weaseled myself into was uh, Joe and Ray would uh, uh, pull all the the editorial pages and front pages out of uh, the local uh, newspapers, and I would take them up uh, to Eddie Mech's office. Eddie was the manager of publicity for Disneyland. And so uh, I developed a, a rapport with him because he would look for any stories related to Disneyland and the papers. Uh, and so almost every day I was up at Eddie's office dropping off newspapers. Well, in turn, any time they had a publicity shot, that Eddie'd go, hey, we're going to use that redheaded kid, that Tom kid. Go, go find him and we'll use him in this picture. So I had the opportunity to be in a whole lot of publicity shots in the in the early fifties, uh, 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 mid fifties, uh, at the opening of Disneyland. Uh, 
one of the things I was uh, able uh, to do in August of 1955, uh, Milton Berle, I don't know if that name means anything to you, and Jerry Lewis were visiting the park. Both of them were uh, major TV stars at the time frame, and both of them were comedians. Uh, and they had printed up a newspaper that basically says Disneyland welcomes uh, Jerry and uh, Melty. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm staged in a shot uh, with, between those two actors uh, in front of Disneyland uh, with the Disneyland News uh, welcoming them uh, into the, the, the park in August of 1955. This is very amazing to me because you're a kid and honestly i think kids are just the people that will be the most blunt and honest with you so it sounds like you probably were the only one who actually took the time out to introduce yourself to walt and i I guess everybody kind of knew him as my dad used to say he would watch him on tv you know in preparation for Disneyland opening. So there's like this legend figure to him. I'm not, I, I don't know if you were watching the TV show, but it sounds oh, like you weren't starstruck. Yeah. Oh, a- uh, absolutely. But Walt, Walt, when he was at Disneyland, didn't look like the Walt Disney that you saw on Wednesday night on, on TV. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, usually had a couple, three days growth of beard. Uh, he wore a, a Panama hat and a, a dark blue double-breasted blazer and gray pants and a, and a shirt with this little tie that he always had on that was uh, from the Smoke Tree Ranch in, in Palm Springs. Uh, and he would walk out uh, in the morning and talk with all the employees and uh, landscape people and security people and maintenance people, uh, and he'd even talk with the guests until he got inundated uh, with people wanting autographs. Mm-hmm. And one of the jobs of the early folks at Disneyland was uh, to help Walt get backstage if he got totally inundated uh, with people wanting autographs. Uh, but Walt was, at least to me, was very easy to talk to, and I sort of chalked that up to all the child stars that he had. And, and uh, you know, Mickey Mouse Club was going real strong during that that time frame, and he had two... Uh, Two teenage daughters, and and uh, 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 you know he, uh, um, you know I think Walt was just a big kid anyway. So yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, you know we, we carried on a pretty good conversation. Uh, he'd let you you know, talk all the way through, and and uh, uh, would answer your questions if you had them, and and go from there. Yeah, well, Walt was a listener. Uh, and, and, uh, um, you know, um, this is, I heard from the old timers is that the old timers would watch Walt. And when that right eyebrow went up, you knew that you had Walt Disney's total attention. So a lot of the old timers were eyebrow watchers. But when you finally got the position as, as Tom, what what was like a day-to-day thing for you? Were you there Monday through Friday, or were you there every day from like dawn till dusk? Well, the island was always a seasonal thing. Uh, so it was only open on the weekends and holidays uh, during the off-season months. Uh, and it was open seven days a week, uh, mid-June uh, through uh, first part of September. Uh, and so uh, that's... Uh, uh, it, was, it was very much a summer attraction, uh, and that's why wearing cutoffs 
and uh, a straw hat, especially for me, with my complexion was a must because uh, I sunburned so easy. What was that like to kind of interact with other kids and and have fun? It's it's play basically. Well, it was it, well. First of all, I had to have a job. Uh, I was the only one in the family working. Uh, uh, my stepfather had taken off, and it was just my mother and and three sisters. So uh, that was that was one of the reasons I think I lasted as long as I did, is because I absolutely needed a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a, a typical day uh, was to 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 come in in the morning, uh, and uh, we had two fishing piers opposite the the uh, Mark Quain landing, and I would put uh, 25 fishing poles out on each of the piers, uh, and then uh, had uh, little tin cans nailed to the railings, and they had written on them in white paint, uh, the cans were painted brown, and written on them was worms, and uh, part of my job was to fill those cans with potting soil and uh, put the uh, worms in it for bait. Uh, and then once the island opened up, uh, people would come over and, uh, probably, oh, 50, 60% of my job was portraying a face character of Tom Sawyer or Huckleberry Finn. I would answer to either one, depending upon what the guests wanted. I, I wouldn't answer to Becky Thatcher or India Joe, but, uh, uh, in turn, I think I ended up in probably everybody's picture album, uh, in uh, in the greater Los Angeles area uh, that summer two, three times around. Um, and uh, part of the job was people would tangle the lines, so I'd untangle the lines. Uh, sometimes it was to the point where I had to totally uh, replace the lines, so I, I learned how to uh, 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 build a fishing pole, uh, which had a, uh, a, a fishing line on it with a with a, a cork and a, a sinker and a hook. And when we first started, it was a catch and clean program. And there was a little area there that uh, if the guests really wanted to keep the fish, I would take it over and clean it and uh, put it in a, in a plastic bag for them. Uh, but that didn't last very long. It only lasted maybe maybe a month, if that long. Uh, and uh, old dead fish started showing up in places that you didn't want old dead fish to show up. Uh, so we went through and debarbed all the hooks and made it a catch and release program. For you, how long was the time period of getting to be Tom at Disneyland? Uh, all the way through uh, uh, 1956 uh, through 1961, uh, all through junior high school and high school. Uh, my, that last year... I was really a little too old to be Tom Sawyer, but I was too young to be a ride operator at Disneyland. You had to be 18 years of age in order to be a ride operator, uh, but because I'd been around, they kept me on the payroll. But I worked more uh, taking tickets and loading and unloading rafts that last year uh, than I did as Tom Sawyer. I would come in in the morning, get the fishing docks all set up. Uh, when I got busy, I'd help out on the rafts. Uh, and then in the evening, I would put everything away and and call it a day. Uh, the guys down on the attraction had had taught me uh, through the years on how to drive. Or I used to come in early in the morning and uh, taught me how to drive the raft. So 
before I turned 18, I was probably one of the most skilled raft operators at at Disneyland. And there's two attractions <laughs> at Disneyland that you physically had to drive, and that was the keelboats and the rafts. So there was a whole skill set that went around with that. In in September of, of 1961, after I turned 18, uh, it was this, uh, the the first the last. Uh, Monday that we were going to be open. So it was on Sunday night. Uh, my supervisor again, Jim Hot, he uh, he brought down a, a script for the Jungle Cruise, and he said, Tom, uh, you know, memorize this because Wednesday morning uh, you need to show up for your on-job training at the Jungle Cruise. Uh, from there, then I had the opportunity to to uh, uh, start working every ride and attraction at Disneyland. Uh, and the first one on the list was the Jungle Cruise. Uh, so I studied my, my spiel. I made three trips, and I think it was Earl Archer was my trainer. Uh, and after the third trip, he says, okay, Tom, it's your boat. Uh, so after the third trip of OJT training on the Jungle Cruise, I was a qualified Jungle Cruise skipper. In, in your opinion, what Disneyland attraction do you think was the most difficult to manage? Uh, well, to, 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 the, the most challenging was, was the Matterhorn after they built the Matterhorn. Uh, yeah, a, a guy that I worked with for years and years, Chuck Abbott was the, was the Matterhorn expert as far as, uh, operational wise. He was the working foreman on that attraction for years and years. Uh, Chuck was made a legend the same time I was in, in 05. Uh, which was a uh, uh, fantastic uh, um, a, a reward and accomplishment that the company gave us. How did you get yep. over to Walt Disney World at that point in like 1971 to to help be a manager at the monorail station? Well, when I got uh, I, I got an invite in 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 uh, uh, sixty. Oh, 63, 64 from my other uncle, Uncle Sam. Uh, gave me an invite and wanted me to participate in a in a war in Vietnam, uh, and so I I enlisted in the Marine Corps, uh, and back at that time frame that that all males had a service obligation and all employers had an obligation to carry those people on the payroll while they were in the service, so I enlisted in the Marine Corps for a three year hitch, um, and uh, the reason I picked three years is because I would have no active duty uh, time. When I got I'd be inactive duty uh, because most of the schedulers didn't like, weren't real happy with people that were on active duty status because you had to had to leave two weeks out of the summer and every every uh, month you had one weekend that you couldn't work because of your military service. So I ended up uh, going in the Marine Corps and what I didn't realize is by picking three years, it made me eligible to go to all the schools. Uh, and somehow I scored very high uh, in, uh, in electronics. And so they made me an aviation radio repairman. I joined the Marine Corps during the height of the Vietnam War, and I got no more than 82 miles from home. Uh, I went through what I call the Battle of Highway 101. Uh, drunk hit me on the... Uh, head on on Highway 101 
uh, when I was getting ready to to uh, go to uh, Vietnam uh, uh, to Da Nang. I had orders uh, and put me in the hospital, tried to kill me. Uh, and when I got out of there, I eventually ended up getting mustered out of the Marine Corps on a medical discharge in uh, 1968. Uh, that's the same year I got married. So I got married in June of 1968, uh, and I got mustered out of the Marine Corps in August of 1968. Right at that time frame is is they, they started interviewing people uh, to go on Project X. Uh, that was uh, uh, Walt Disney World. Um, uh, part of it is why I was in the Marine Corps. I sort of missed the New York World's Fair, and I was in the Marine Corps when Walt passed. So uh, I wasn't currently working at Disneyland uh, during Walt's uh, passing. I, I interviewed uh, to uh, uh, go on the opening crew for Walt Disney World. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my mentors, his name was Pete Crimmings, who I'd worked for for years and years, is he was going to be the manager of the transportation department at Walt Disney World. And he wanted me to uh, run a monorail. And I had told Pete that I'd never worked a monorail. And he said, uh, don't worry about it, you'll learn. 1970, I got promoted uh, into management as assistant supervisor, and I got assigned to work with Retlaw, and guess what I got to operate? I got to operate the monorail and the steam trains uh, as a trainee uh, for that. Uh, right after that, they made the decision that they were going to build Tom Sawyer's Island in Frontierland Liberty Square. And I had a little bit of ex- expertise there, uh, so I ended up being transferred from uh, the uh, uh, transportation department into the Frontierland Liberty Square uh, department for the construction of Tom Sawyer's Island and the Richard F. Irvine. Uh, so wow. uh, 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 1972, early 1972, uh, I went into Frontierland Liberty Square. Uh, we built Tom Sawyer's Island. And we opened Tom Sawyer's Island, I want to say, in May in 1973. And once we finished that project, I ended up uh, getting promoted uh, as manager of rides and attractions uh, for Frontierland Liberty Square. And I went back uh, 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 to Frontierland, and we were going to build this small attraction called Big Thunder. I sort of got another telephone call and and, uh, asked me if I wanted to be involved in the Epcot project and said, oh, absolutely. Uh, I thought I was going to be a pavilion coordinator, uh, but in turn what they wanted me to do was uh, to operate a warehouse that that we stored what we call OFI, Owner Furnished Items. And uh, that was about $400 million worth of materials. And so I did that uh, for the uh, construction of EBCOT uh, through Phase 1 and part of Phase 2. And then in 1984, uh, when we went through that whole green mail, and, and if you've ever read, uh, you know, the storming of the, the Magic Kingdom and that type thing, well, that's when uh, 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 Michael Eisner and, and uh, uh, Frank Wells came on board, uh, and I was working for Wed Pico, uh, Wed Engineering, and uh, which is now WDI, mm-hmm. and PICO stands for Project Installation Coordination Office. Okay, and uh, uh, we were once things got 
back on click and that type thing. Wed East was sort of a, a, a major overhead, uh, so it was dissolved. Uh, and uh, at that point, I had the opportunity uh, to make a major, major career change. Uh, and I went from the rides and attraction side of our business uh, to uh, our support side of the business. And I had learned a lot about warehousing, uh, uh, working for WED. And uh, so I ended up uh, being uh, made the superintendent of general supplies in, in October of, of 1984. Uh, and then in, in uh, uh, January of 1985, the, the manager of distribution for Walt Disney World went on vacation, uh, Christmas vacation. And I don't know if it was an alien abduction or what, but he didn't come back. Uh, and so six of us interviewed for the job, and I ended up getting the job as the distribution manager for Walt Disney World. And we went through some gigantic growth uh, all during that time frame uh, 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 from from a property wide, from hotel room wise, from movies. Uh, everything just went went uh, uh, just escalated uh and frank and michael made that make that happen that you were the go-to guy you could do anything basically (laughs) (laughs) you were popping around and like that's amazing (laughs) yeah well i i think that's one of the one of the things some some folks are very focused on their career path uh i've i've always been to the point i've been very open uh, and I've, I've I've been very blessed of being at the right time with mm-hmm. the right skill sets uh, in order to move forward in my career. I, I opened the monorail in '71, and I retired uh, from uh, running the warehouses in uh, 2003. Wow! Uh, so I've I, I've been retired for. For, for 17 years. Uh, uh, yeah, a couple things. I, I, I enjoy sharing my Disney heritage like I am with you. Uh, and I get invites to come go back out to the property and uh, share it uh, off and on with employees and, and with uh, different groups. Uh, I think the neatest thing going right now is, is uh, my, my granddaughter uh, just turned five. Uh, I think I mentioned we, we had to postpone one of our interviews because I was going to her birthday uh, party. But to be able to see the park through a five-year-old and watch her grow, I've learned more about princesses in this last you know, year than I did in my entire career. <laughs> and and uh we do we do a whole lot of uh of uh, character breakfasts when they come to town. Uh I think that's one of the advantages I have. I, I, I do have a an annual pass to the park so I can go in uh if if it isn't blacked out. Uh and uh I've uh, uh, we we had originally planned on going out to Disneyland's 65th anniversary. Mm-hmm. I hadn't missed one of those since I had tr- been transferred to Florida, and unfortunately the pandemic sort of shut that down. Uh, and we were going to do it as a family, so the, I had rented a, a suite in the, uh, the Grand uh, Californian. Uh, so uh, on my list of uh, to-dos is to get ready for uh, Disneyland's 70th 
Tom, you've written a book about this too. So um, I I do want to encourage our listeners to be able to get a copy of it. Um, Do you want to, do you want to tell them where they can find it and the official name? (laughs) Okay. Well, if, if, if you want it signed, uh, by me, uh, then go to my website. It's Tom Nabby, capital T, capital N dot com. Uh, two words. Uh, well, uh, uh, no space. So Tom dot com, and you can order it there. Or if you're a Amazon Prime member, you can go to Amazon. Uh, just plug my name into the search column, and it'll bring the book up, and you can order it on Amazon. I really want to encourage our listeners to definitely go ahead and grab a copy. I'll put the link in the show notes below so you can uh, so you can go ahead and get your copy. And before we end, I have three Disney themed questions I ask all of my guests. So um, I call them the Fab Three. So we'll we'll start with the Donald one, which is as a child, what Disney film was one of your favorites to see in the movie theater? Yeah, the first one I I I, I remember uh, vividly of, of seeing was Bambi. And our goofy question: What Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? Oh, Eeyore, uh, my role model. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, our Mickey question: If I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? Uh, Zippity Doodah. And my oh my, what a wonderful day it has been to talk to you, Tom. Uh, I just, this has been such a pleasure. And I know, I, I wish we could have talked more at Retro. And I was like, we're going to definitely do an interview. So I'm so glad this came, this came to be even a year later. <laughs> well, okay. Well, super going. Uh, we, we talked a lot of things. So there's, there's, there's a lot of stories within a stories within a story. So <laughs> if somewhere in the future, I, 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 I fit into one of your, uh, uh, blogs uh, just let me know oh my gosh are you kidding me I definitely want to have you back on 